Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Well, good morning, Mount Zion Church. It is so good to be with you. Thank you very much. I normally have to carry the tables, Um, but it is good to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to start just by saying thank you so much. Um, In the world, this does not make a lot of sense. You don't typically see an intern uh, at a business go to a neighboring business and then the CEO call them back to, to do their job for a day. That makes no sense to the world, but in the kingdom, this makes a ton of sense. Uh, And I am so, so deeply grateful. Um, Today is all about next steps, and I'm not about to make that about me. Um, But I'm so grateful because this church is a place where I've had so many of my next steps professionally, so many of my next steps spiritually. Uh, I was baptized here in one of y'all's services, like what you are doing a little bit later. Uh, I received my call to ministry Um, under the leadership of this church, and I get to preach a a sermon to this church, and I am uh, just so grateful today. So thank you so much. Um, You are very, very uh, hospitable, and I really appreciate it. But I want to start today with a question. I want to start today with a question. Have you ever known true desperation? Have you ever known true desperation? Maybe it was like an intense need that you knew, like you couldn't fill it. Maybe it was financial desperation and you felt the burden of of bills that you didn't know how you were going to pay. Maybe it was like a loved one in a hospital, a physical need in your life that you knew you had no capacity to fix in and of yourself. And you looked in the eyes of your spouse and you asked the question, I mean, how, how are we going to make it? Have you ever known desperation? Desperation is the, the last step before hopelessness. It's the last stop before you throw in the towel and you give up, you lose faith. And it's the emotion that is most prominently represented in today's scripture. Scripture, excuse me. The scripture today takes place at the time of year whenever the water cisterns would have been getting empty. Water cisterns are just collection vessels for rainwater. And they would have been going dry. The people, like the desperation would have been palatable. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. These people know that they need water. They know that they are desperate beyond a shadow of a doubt. And every day leading up to this last day of the celebration would have been this ritual. Ritual would have taken place to thank God for the past water and the past harvest, but to ask him for future water in the coming months. Now, in Palestine, you do not ask for water. You beg. Like, you know, if God does not provide this water from heaven, this thing that I cannot procure in and of myself, I will die. 
and my family will die. There is nothing that I can do. So every day during this celebration, this ritual would have taken place where they would have taken a jug of water. It's not actually a jug, but that's southern lingo. They would have taken a jug of water from a pool. They would have carried it into the temple. And every day, bit by bit, they would have filled up this larger vessel that was right beside the altar until the last day. As, as this anticipation grows of this filling, costly substance that they know that they cannot get, they cannot procure of themselves, as it fills up, they dump it out over the altar as a symbol of, hey, we cannot gain this thing in and of ourselves, so we're going to ask the one who can. And it's in this culminating time, it's at this end of this begging for water that Jesus says these words in John seven thirty seven. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Then he clarifies what he's saying in verse 39. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So the people, like, they know that they need physical water. They know that if God does not give water, that they will die. They know that they are desperate. But what they don't know that they need is something that they need a lot more than water. They need their souls to be filled to overflowing by the Holy Spirit. They need salvation that can come from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. What they don't know is what many of us don't know. And what they don't know is what many of us have forgotten. They don't know that they are desperate to be filled. The people's complete inadequacy to fill their physical cisterns mirrors their complete inadequacy to fill their spiritual ones. They need something that only God can supply. They need to be filled. And today, you need to be filled. And it's to this, this moment of desperation that Jesus speaks in 37, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. But what is Jesus offering in these verses that the people are desperate for? What does he have that we don't? The people are desperate for prosperity. The people are desperate for prosperity. He is saying, I have come so that you may know prosperity. So bear with me. Throughout the Old Testament, water was this consistent metaphor for lives that were prosperous and things that were prosperous. We see it in passages like Psalms 46, 4, like Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. And in one of my favorite places, a psalm that my mom made me memorize, Psalm chapter 1 or Psalm 1. 
verse 3, where the psalmist is talking about these people who, who delight in the Lord, these people who meditate on his word day and night, and the result of their lives is verse 3. They are like trees planted along the river bank. They're right beside the water. They're right beside that source of nourishment, bearing fruit each season. Their, their leaves, they never wither, and they prosper in whatever they do. They prosper in all that they do. So we see here that this individual who is nourished by the water that Jesus is offering is prosperous. Not in some things, but in everything that they do. God wants to fill them with prosperity. And God wants to fill you with prosperity this morning. Now before you stone me for using the word prosperity in a Davidson County sermon, my goodness, I know, it's, it's getting nerve-wracking. Let me clarify what I mean by the word Prosperity. This morning, spiritual prosperity is a very different concept than physical blessing. Spiritual nourishment and prosperity is very different than physical blessing. Notice in verse 39 that it clarifies that Jesus is talking about the spirit that will be poured out and not physical water. We see that Jesus is calling them away from their physical comforts away from the things that they think that they need and some, to something that is better. He's going beyond physical comforts though. He's calling them away from their basic necessities. These people aren't trying to like build 401ks and buy cars that are outside of their means. Like they're asking for water and food. And he says, I'm better. He says, I have something that can actually fill your cisterns. He's calling them away from physical comforts. And he's calling them to spiritual prosperity. True prosperity is spiritual prosperity. And anybody who preaches anything different is not telling you the truth. But in order to take up spiritual prosperity... You must be willing to give up physical blessing. Let me say that again. In order to take up spiritual prosperity, you must be willing to give up physical blessing. So the water that Jesus is offering, man, it's not going to make you rich. The water that Jesus is offering, it is not going to make your life comfortable. The, the water that he is offering is not something that is going to make your family wealthy and prosperous by the world's definition. So you're probably asking yourself, well, why would I want to be filled with that? Why would I want to be filled with this living water? And the simple answer is because it's the only thing that can. It's the only thing that is like ever going to fill you. Living water is the only thing that can fill you today. So, so some of you are, are trying to fill, like you're trying everything. And you've been trying to fill your heart and your soul with things that were never, you were never intended to try to fill your soul with. And it's not working. 
And like you're at the end of your rope and you know like nothing, nothing is actually satisfying my soul's deeper desire. It's because you're living in a way that you were never created or intended to. Living water is the only thing that can fill you today. So I used to have a, a summer job. The, one of the worst summer jobs that I've ever had. Kenny knows exactly where I'm going with this one because he got me the job. Um, <laughs> used to have a summer job. It was in the back of a body shop. And it was one of the worst places I have ever existed. There was constant dust, constant paint being sprayed, constant chemicals being dumped, grams crying in the corner, welds being made. It's a whole thing. You get the idea. It was not my favorite job, not my favorite place that I've ever been. But I remember one particularly hot day in the back of this shop. There was no AC in the shop. You had to wear long plants, long, long plants. You had to wear long pants because you, you cut metal all day and there's a lot of sparks. Far back of this garage where a young Graham Simmons had a vision, I could see it in the fender that I was sanding. I saw something a quarter mile away. I saw a 7-Eleven. I saw, I saw something that I lovingly refer to as a big gulp. Um, now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with a big gulp, a big gulp is the South's liquid version of an all-you-can-eat buffet. All right, like every size of drink is the exact same price. So instead of buying a reasonable amount of soda, you end up buying like three-year-old child-sized cups and you're like walking out of there with like enough Dr. Pepper to kill a, a small goat. Um, so, so when I got off work, I went instantly to the nearest form of artificial hydration that I knew. I grabbed the largest cup because it's what you do. I, I filled it up. I drank half. I filled it back up. I was not a pastor yet. Please don't judge me today. I walked out to my car. I drank the rest. As the name suggests, it's, you're trying to go for one big gulp. All right, you're trying to drink it as fast as you can. And I felt great. I mean, immediately that flow of sugars hits your weary system. The caffeine that they don't tell you is in all of those drinks makes you feel okay. And I was refreshed. But you know exactly where I'm going with this. In about 30 minutes... I felt as gross as you can feel. I was in a heap in a bathroom floor. I mean, I felt sick. I felt more tired and dehydrated than I had before. My body wanted water and I gave it a big gulp. Instead of filling with something beneficial for the long term, I filled myself with something that was satisfying for the present. And you see where I'm going with this. This is exactly what happens whenever we try to fill the void within us with anything other than the living water that is Jesus Christ. Anything other than the Holy Spirit. Today, you want the Holy Spirit's anointing. You may not know that you do, but you want the Holy Spirit's anointing. You want to know that your life, it's going to mean something in 200 years. 
You, you want a depth of spiritual prosperity that this world cannot touch. And you want the water that Jesus is offering. But so many times, instead of drinking from the well that is costly, we drink from the well that is expedient. Instead of feeling true prosperity, we seek our blessing from places that we were never intended to. We twist God's good creation, we mold it into whatever we, we want, whatever we think that we want to satisfy our, our uh, misshapen desires. We mold love into lust, the desires to fill the earth and subdue it into greed. The good gifts of the Father, we mold them into gluttony. We think like, maybe this is going to satisfy my soul. We think maybe this is going to be enough for once. We are just as desperate as the people I talked about earlier. And we're going to wells that are garbage. Living water is the only thing that can fill you. You may feel in a moment of weakness that your soul is longing for something other than the living water of Christ. Your soul may be saying things like, if I just had a bigger house. Man, if I just had kids that were D1 athletes, if I just had a little bit more money in the bank, a 401k that I could leave behind, if I just had a spouse or somebody to confide in, if I just had that job title, then I would be fine. Now notice that none of the things that I just listed are sins in and of themselves. But the moment that we begin to see them as the thing that will fill and fulfill us, the moment that we see them as the things that will bring about our soul's prosperity, is the moment that we find ourselves more empty than we began. Sick. Instead of drinking from the well that is costly, we decide to drink from the well that is expedient. Today, nothing will fill and fulfill you other than Christ. Stop trying everything else. I'm tired of seeing people give up their God-given calling and prosperity for worthless chaff that burns up in the end and means nothing in the present. Today, we must become a people who drink from living water unapologetically rather than a people who hydrate their souls with the world's garbage. But we see that it's even bigger than just us. We see something even bigger taking place in this scripture. We see that God wants to fill you so that you can fill others. God wants to fill you so that you can fill others. Others, we see that it is not all about your spiritual prosperity, but it goes on. We see something huge happening in, in verse 38 of John 7. It says, anyone who, who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, when he refers to scripture, he refers to like 10 different passages in this one little verse. But the one that he's most prominently referring to is Ezekiel 47, where Ezekiel's having this dream. 
If you would start in verse 1 with me, it says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, where I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway, and he led me around to the eastern entrance, and there I could see water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. So you may not know what that means. Basically, the the water is starting in the temple and the water is flowing out of the temple. There's not just a filling, but there is water going out. Let's continue in verse 6. It says, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing. There's Eden language. Many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert, through the desert, into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. It's living water. Fresh and pure, there will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever the water flows. So we see that this this river is flowing eastward and it flows through the desert. And it it makes trees grow in the desert. It flows into the salty waters and it makes things live. It flows straight to the most desolate, waterless, broken places. So here's a Spark Notes version of what Jesus is saying whenever he's connecting to these passages. He's saying, I will fill you, the temple, with living water. Not just to fill you with living water. Not just to make you comfortable in your pews. Not just to make church a nice place so that you learn things every week and you feel good about yourselves. But so that you can go out and fill the most desolate places. So that your life can have purpose and meaning and be connected to something larger. Here's the more simple version of that. Man, it's not about you. It's not about you. I wish it was. I wish I could say sermons that were like, you know, God is going to bless you. If you give to my church, it's all going to be fine. You can just, you know, just give to us and he will give to you and it will be fine. But those are lies. It's not about you this morning. It's not about me this morning. You were never designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the point of contentment. You were made to be a temple that the rivers flow out of straight to the most desolate places. Not because it's comfortable, not because it's fun, but because it's what Jesus did for you. He stuck his hand straight into the muck and the mire and pulled you out and now he is calling you to do the same thing. So there is... uh, There's a hymn that I have a love-hate relationship with. And this may be the wrong service to say this in after singing hymns. But there's a hymn that I have a love-hate relationship with. Mostly love. So, So don't stone me just yet. And it goes like this. It says, what a day that will be 
When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and he leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Now, some of you, man, he said prosperity, and now he's saying a sermon, or he's, he's hating on a hymn, my goodness. But let me explain why this is a love-hate relationship with this hymn. I love this hymn because I couldn't be more excited for the day whenever I get to be reunited fully with my father. But I hate this hymn because it's become a rally cry for people who can't wait for what God is going to do instead of being a part of what he is doing who are content to wait on God to fill the earth with rivers that he has already established within them. And he's begging for them to just like let it pour out of the temple. Man, God wants to fill you so that you can go out and fill others and teach them to do the same. That's discipleship. It's what Jesus did for you and now it's what Jesus is calling you to do. So I, I don't know where you are today. Man, maybe you are desperate to be filled. Not maybe, you are. But maybe you know that you are desperate to be filled. Maybe you've been looking for something to fill you and you've looked in every place and every cistern is dry. Every well has water, but it's not good enough. And man, you are tired You've tried to be filled with almost everything and nothing is good enough and you know it. If that's you today, Jesus came so that you may be filled with spiritual prosperity that this world doesn't have. Or maybe you're a Christian. You, you've taken up the water that fills, but lately you've been, you've been seeking something more expedient. You've been seeking something that's easier to fill the well and it's just not good enough. And you need to recenter and you know, you know this world isn't good enough. You know you were made for more. If that's you, Jesus came so that you may be filled to overflowing. Then there's the last camp. Maybe you're full. Maybe you came to church today as a consumer. And you, you chew up sermons like this one, you devour them during lunchtime and you spit them out. And Christ is calling you to love this world. Christ is calling you to be his hands and feet, to go outside of this church, to be a part of a bigger thing like what Luke is doing whenever he's allowing me to come to another church. Something that's bigger than our churches. It's bigger than our community. It's the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Man, if you are any of those things, I want to welcome you to take up the water that can fill your soul today and that can fill all of the souls around us today. So let me pray for you and then you are dismissed. Father God, we just want to praise you. 
God, you didn't have to come after us. You didn't have to send your son. You didn't have to be merciful, but you were. God, we thank you for the water. We thank you that you did things that you didn't have to to call us to things that we need to. God, I pray that we would respond to that call. I pray that those who need to believe in you for the first time would. That those who need to drop sins in order to fully chase after you would. That those who need to drop their their calloused ways in order to chase after the people that you love just as much as them would. Father, and I pray these things in the holy name of Jesus Christ this morning. Your name be glorified. Amen. You are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.